0: Yesterday was a pretty big day around the Barnett household. Tanya and I were able to celebrate 16 years since I got in some of the most trouble I've ever been in in my life. 16 years ago yesterday, our daughter was born. And on that particular day, it was a Sunday, I remember it clearly. It was just after worship that we grab up all of our things. We hurry to the hospital, did not have time to eat lunch, but the doctor said it looks like we've got a little bit of time, don't worry. So I headed down to Subway. I headed down to Subway and I proceeded to purchase a meatball sub with chips and a Dr. Pepper. And then I returned to my wife's room with the sub and the chips and the Dr. Pepper. And I put my chair next to my my bride and mother-to-be and I was there to give encouragement and I was there to, to hold her hand and and watch the Packers and the Cowboys play on the on the television screen that was, that was in the room and eat my sub and my chips and drink my Dr. Pepper. Now sometimes you wonder, does Chris really do the things that he talks about? Are these just preacher stories? Well, every year I have a reminder that this was no preacher story, this actually happened and you can talk to Tanya about it if you would like to. For yesterday, our daughter turned 16 and we celebrated and had a good time up in the mountains where all of our youth and a lot of our families are. And it was just another reminder that God cares for dumb husbands and blind squirrels. That was the reminder that it was uh, to me. But thinking back then over the 16 years, you can't help when you're a parent to To have different pictures that flash through your mind. And one of the vivid ones for me is the fact that when Emily was much younger, you would walk through the house and occasionally find a glass slipper laying around. And when you found that glass slipper without an owner, you knew what you were supposed to do. You picked up the slipper and then you began to walk through the house looking for the owner. And you would start off in the bathroom and look and there would be no one there and you might go upstairs and no one was found there either. Maybe in the master bedroom, no, nobody there who would claim the shoe. But but then there was a doorway down the hall and sitting there on her bed would be this young princess swinging your feet. One shoe on and one shoe missing. And as the prince, I would go and take the shoe and say, excuse me ma'am, but I believe you have lost something. (laughs) And I would get down on one knee and I would take her foot in my hand and I would slide it into that shoe. And the princess would be rescued by her prince. You know each and every one of us longs for a prince or princess. We long to feel as if we are loved and if as if we are the only ones that matter. That because of something that we lost, someone else is out there searching for us, wanting to return to us something that is so important and something that is so meaningful to our lives. We all want to know that we're beloved. The Bible says that we are. The writer of scripture uses the most extravagant images to talk about the way in which God's love is poured out on his people. God's love scripture says is like the love that a friend has for another that they would go and lay down their life for their friend because of the love they have. It's the love of a father for a runaway son. It's the love of a mother that will never forget her child. It's the love that is more passionate than any other love, the love like a groom has for his bride. You are beloved by God. That's what we just celebrated here a few minutes ago. It's, it's why over the last few weeks we have truly tried to, to focus in even more on our communion time than maybe we, we normally do. Trying to to break through all of the barriers and the walls and all the different layers that begin to form around us because we become cynical and we become jaded in the world that we live in. Seeing people who say, I love you, and only to yell, I hate you. So we come together and we share bread and cup to remember we are beloved by God. Dallas Willard, the author, has written that Jesus lived a life of utter trust because he understood that his father was unfailingly competent and wholly devoted. And the result was, he writes, with this magnificent God positioned among us, Jesus brings the assurance that our universe is a perfectly safe place for us to be. Now think about this, the idea of the universe in which we live, that the place where we are right here and right now is the safest place for you to be able to exist and go about your life. So much of today we hear about safe places and and safe spaces and individuals saying they want areas of comfort and they want areas of security. Because we live in a time of great catastrophe and violence and and disease. No more so than any time other in history, but yet it seems so much personal because now it's us. It's kind of like when people say it's only minor surgery. Well, yeah, unless you're the one having the surgery. And things aren't bad in this world unless you're the one living in it right now. Unless you're the one that's having to deal with it. And yet there is this discovery that gets made over and over in scriptures where you begin to realize the lion's den is the safest place that you could be. The court of Pharaoh is the safe place to be. The Red Sea, the safest place. The battered little boat in the midst of a violent storm. All these places in scripture that appear so dangerous and yet you begin to realize this is a safe place. And so Paul and Silas, those missionaries of old, find themselves put in stocks and chains because of the message that they are speaking and the changes that they are making. And what do you find as you read through the stories in acts? But there you have those two men at midnight raising their voices and singing praises to God. Because the inner prison was safe. Because they knew that they were Beloved by God. Paul would put it this way. He would say in Romans chapter 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, he would say, no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. God's love is the safest place for you to be no matter what else is going on in your life no matter what ups and downs you have no matter what you read on your news feed what you see spoken on all the different 24 hour cable channels you are safe in God's love and the worst weapons that this world can unleash are powerless before that love But how do we live in this truth? How do we live in this certainty that is laid out in Scripture? See, I don't believe that Jesus offers this assurance so that we can retreat to our bubbles of comfort. And so as you read through Scripture, it alternates between calls of just hair-raising risk and then assurances of impregnable security. When we look over the lives of the different followers of God that are are laid out in the passage of Scripture, we see the combination of, of breathtaking risk and an almost brazen confidence of being safe in God's hands. Assurances of God's protection generally come in Scripture as jolts that frighten people into an act of obedience that they never thought that they could make. Do you remember the story that perhaps you heard in Bible school years ago of of Jesus as he goes walking on the water to his disciples who are in a boat? And because the storm is raging, the disciples are afraid and they look out and they see this image. And Peter, Peter responds to the image when the voice says, don't be afraid, it's me. And, And he says, look, if it's really you, then let me come out there to you. It's like why would he say something like that because the fear had begun to well up within him the storm was raging around him and if that really was jesus out on the water then being with jesus was the safest place to be even if it meant having to get out of the boat It's like a father coaxing a panicky two-year-old to jump into his arms at a swimming pool. The dad is sitting there in the water saying, you can do this, come on, trust me, I'll catch you. And the two-year-old is on the sides, layered up in floaties saying, I don't think I can. In fact, I know I can't. Yet the father keeps coaxing, I won't drop you. The pool is the perfectly safe place for you to be. But the child never knows if she doesn't jump. The father cannot take that step for her. The father cannot go and just, well, some of you did. You just picked up your child and threw him in, didn't you? You did. You're messing up this entire illustration because you're sitting there going, I just knocked my kid in the pool. I don't know what you're talking about. The Father can't take that step for you. And so, God coaxes you, just as we would our two-year-olds. And God says, you can defy the Pharaohs in your life. You can stand up to those who do not acknowledge me, who do not call me their God. You can stand before them and not be afraid. He says, you can occupy the promised land. You can go where I have sent you. You can be who I have called you to be. He says, you can stand up to Goliath. You can stand up to the fear that is present in your life when you think that you are the only one on the battlefield and that everybody else has deserted you and left. He says, you can give all that you possess to the poor. And you can join my ragtag band of followers. And you can go on a journey that will be like none you have ever experienced before. And he says, you can sit in a Roman prison and face imminent execution. You can know that your life is going to end whether it be this very minute or whether it be two months, two years, or 20 years from now and yet you can face that moment with bold assurance and faith. Because all of these apparently high-risk ventures turn out to be perfectly safe places to be. We are under the watchful care of a great big God and His arms are strong and His voice is sure as He asks us to jump and to feel safe in the faith that we have. He's not going to drop you because He's never dropped anyone before. But you have to be willing to jump, I have to be willing to jump, or at least be willing to get my feet wet. I love the story that is laid out in Joshua chapter 3. It's a story about God's people as they had already fled Egypt. It is time for them to go in and to take possession of the promise of God. Joshua is now taking over leadership for Moses and he has prepared the people. And now the people are going to go and cross over that famed Jordan River. But there's a problem It says in verse 14, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them and it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. They had been told where to go, they had been told what to do, they had been told that when the Ark of God goes before you, you are to follow that Ark and you are to cross the Jordan and go and take the land. This is the promise, this is what you can do. They have been learning now for some 40 years how to trust in the God who has fed them, who has clothed them, who has shown his love and shown that he can be trusted, that they can be safe, and yet they get to this barrier, they get to this river, and what are they going to do? How are they going to act? And it says that as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark, touched the water at the river's edge. That the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Now you need to understand something. When those priests stepped into the water carrying the covenant of God, the water stopped flowing upstream, but it stopped some 20 miles upstream. It stopped at a place where God's people could not see. All they saw were the priest step to the water and they're waiting to see what mighty act God will do. And yet it was 20 miles upstream where the great act was taking place at a place called Adam. I don't think, I don't think this is just a coincidence. That the place where God demonstrates how that he can be proved safe takes place in a town named for his first creation. The first place that he demonstrated his love. Saying let's make Adam in our own image. And the water stopped. And imagine being the people as they stood there and as they waited and as they saw the priest walk in to the water. Imagine what was going through their mind as they began to see the water as it had been there on the banks begin to recede and begin to get less and less. It says that the water below the point, flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry, and then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho." You see, we have not been brought into the love of God so that we can just retreat to our safe spaces, so that we can just retreat to places where we are comfortable. Instead, we have been brought into the love of God so that we could, in that safety, Stand up before Pharaohs. Occupy promised lands. Take on Goliath. Give what we have. Face imminent death. So that we might be able to step into the water and be able to see the true safety of God demonstrated before our very eyes. It's in C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia that there is... A back and forth that takes place between Lucy and Mr. Beaver as they talk about the lion, Aslan. Lucy asks, Is he a man? Aslan, a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly, certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beast? Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall rather feel nervous about meeting a lion. Yes, you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Miss Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. And he's good. We hear that God loves us. And we hear that we are safe in his love. And it seems as if somehow then there is this paradox of wanting and desiring to live safely. And then the desire to step out and to do something incredible in the name of God. That God says, I love you and you are safe in my love. One minute and the next minute he says, now cross this water. I love you and you are safe in my love. And the next minute he says, would you go and would you feed children in Hamilton County that don't have anything to eat on the weekends? And by the way, as we have been trying to do the best that we can in that, We've often wondered how in the world do we get the funds and how do we get the manpower to be able to feed children? You know, currently our snack pack ministry is, is giving food to, to over a thousand children each week. And yet that's only a drop in the bucket to the amount of kids in Hamilton County that still need meals. And we wonder how do we provide and what do we do? And we found out just a few weeks ago that we have been given a a $7,500 matching grant that as soon as individuals from the community or individuals from our congregation, anybody that hears about it, as soon as we give to that point of $7,500, then that matching $7,500 comes in and and that's going to feed how many more? A hundred and... 13, something like that, am I right? Somewhere around there? 113 more children. Is it safe? Is it safe to try to to do this? You can ask the ladies and men who are part of this ministry if it's safe or not, trying to figure out how to accomplish this. You, you, you can ask those who are part of our transformation ministry, who are working with, with men and women who are turning their lives around and who are seeing life from a different perspective. And you can say, is this whole, this whole thing safe trying to turn people's lives around and getting involved in people's lives? And, and, and you, you can ask those who are right now gone on the youth retreat and who are pouring their life into the misfits. That's the theme this weekend. And you can you can ask those who are there is it safe to spend this time with these kids and to invest yourself like this because what's going to happen and and what's going to be the end result and there are all kinds of other ministries and things that take place and go on and and we can ask and say "Is is this safe and is it going to be okay and what kind of results are going to be and yet it seems as if scripture says safe I said you were safe in my love But I never said that I was safe, but I'm good, I'm good. And I'm going to get emotional about this next one. Last week on Facebook, there was a video that was posted. And it was a video of something that took place in Huancayo, Peru. That's where Jeremy and Whitney Davis and their young girls are. We sent them there because they said they wanted to go to a place to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. In communities that were not saturated with that good news. And we sent them, and they have been working with their team, and they have been living in Huancayo. They have learned the Spanish language, they have adopted different Peruvian customs, and they have lived and worked and eaten and played alongside the people there in Huancayo. Is it safe? But God is good, and here's how I know. God is good. This last week, Hector and his wife Albina and her brother Hugo were baptized into Christ. And as I reached out to Jeremy and I said, I want to share the video today. I want to share this and and talk about it in the context of being safe in God's love. He said, be sure and tell them, he said, be sure and tell them that while you are speaking, Dennis and Margaret are going to be baptized. That God is good. And that sharing the good news of a good God produces wonderful results. Friends, you were beloved by God. And you were safe in God's love. But it does not mean that you can retreat to your inner comfort It does not mean that you can go and just live out your life in a safe space. It means that you join the call of the kingdom. It means that you join with voices who have gone on before you to say that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and He died to show the love of a Father who has created you and longs to have you back in His presence. You see, when we know ourselves to be safe with God, we begin to create havens of safety for others. And where we declare that this place here is a safe space, where it's safe for you to struggle, it's safe for you to mourn, it's safe for you to study, it's safe for you to question, it is safe for you to go on your journey of faith. Oftentimes in 12-step groups, you introduce yourself by saying, hello, my, my name is Chris and, and I'm an alcoholic or I am addicted in one form or fashion. Maybe we ought to greet one another by saying, my name is Chris and I'm a sinner. Or maybe, or maybe we should say, my name is Chris. And I am loved by God. You see, the cry of our heart is to be loved. It's only a faint echo of the love that God has for us. Because before you were ever born, you were beloved in the mind of God. It's the deepest secret of your identity. It cannot be earned or won, only gratefully embraced. And nothing you can ever do can make God love you more than he does right now. There's no great achievement, there's no more beauty that you can have, there is no recognition, not even greater levels of spirituality or obedience. And nothing that you can do or have done in the past can make God love you less. Not any sin, not any failure, not any guilt, not any regret. And the irony is we spend all of our lives trying to earn the love that we can only receive when we admit our poverty of spirit. And so I want to close by asking you, have you allowed your prince to find you? You see, we've all lost something that we had in the beginning. We have all lost something of ourselves and because of that our soul is empty and because of that our soul is contaminated and we wonder and we wait, is there anyone who's searching for us? Is there anyone who cares? Is there anyone who loves me enough to go to hell and back for me? Well, the good news is that you have a prince. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he has come to restore what has been lost. And he has come to remind you of the love that his father has. To respond to him, is it safe? No. No. Who said anything about God being safe? But he's good. And this morning, if you need to come to that good, good father, then we encourage you to do so as together we stand and say thank you.